0: Just when you thought you knew everything our state had to offer comes information about a cutting edge think tank of sorts with a lofty mission solving some of the world's biggest problems. The U.S. Army Engineer Research and Development Center, otherwise known as ERDC, is made up of seven laboratories (laughs) around the country and its headquarters right here in Vicksburg, Mississippi. Today, we welcome the director of ERDC, Dr. David Pittman. David, thanks for being on. Man, we've already had a great conversation before even the camera gets going.
1: Exactly. I mean,
0: we're almost canned at this point. Yes, I'm a
1: big fan of yours, Marshall, so I appreciate the chance to talk to you about Erdick and the Erdick. kind of things we do for the nation.
0: Which basically we only have about 30 minutes, but we could talk about seven hours, yes. all the stuff that Erdic does. And I don't think a lot of people- Seven days at least. Seven days, yeah. I don't think a lot of people in Mississippi know what all they do. Um,
1: I didn't even know about it, by the way, when I started there.
0: I mean, It's incredible. I'm sitting here taking notes. I've got about half my notebook filled up with all the different things. And so we definitely want to touch on that. And I also want to touch a little bit about you because here you are, you're a product of Belmont, Mississippi.
1: Yes, which Beaumont. I found, Beaumont. Beaumont, yeah, that's right. the Belmont, yes. Beaumont.
0: Well, there's two Beaumonts. Yes. Yeah, okay. I learned figure. that
1: today. I always have to explain why I'm not from Beaumont, Texas. I'm yeah. from Beaumont, Mississippi. But today, from you, I just realized there's two Beaumont, well, there, Mississippi.
0: I may be wrong. There may be a Belmont and a Beaumont. Okay. I don't know. Who knows? But you're not from the place where Mack McAnally's from. Okay. You're from the place that's on the way down to Mobile. Perry County,
1: Mississippi, right. outside Hattiesburg, on Highway 98, 20 Beautiful miles Beautiful country. Gorge, God's country, I call Gorgeous. it. Gorgeous, a lot of Great trees. Great piney woods.
0: Yeah, a lot of trees, and yes. your, and all your family.
1: My family's still there. Mother's there, brother's yeah. there, sister's there. That's where I grew up. I call it home.
0: Yeah, I loved it. Your your mom seems like a pretty tough soul. Yes. Um, and never had a picture of all you kids together. Right. I love that. I know, yeah.
1: I know. We did a picture of me. I had, you know, brothers and sisters. We fought yeah. like cats and dogs, and, yeah. you know, it's hard to get us all in one picture at the same time.
0: Tell us a little bit about your dad. Now, his, his nickname was Frog.
1: His name was Frog, right. Yeah. And uh, the, the legend is, he kind of like, was a baby, you know how the legs hang down, that, yeah. that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, so he was a, he grew up on a farm in Beaumont, yeah. in Mississippi, and he wanted to kind of get out of the, the farming area, so he moved to New Orleans with his new bride, my mother. So I was actually born in New Orleans, okay. uh, Louisiana. I so could so tell by back, your accent. Yes, exactly, <laughs> you could tell the accent. So I moved to Beaumont when I was a baby, so I never actually knew anything about uh, New Orleans, but he became a carpenter then, yeah. and then started working construction, and later had his own construction company called Pittman and Hinton Construction. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with my brother working in the summers with my dad, building bridges, carpentry, the whole bit. And so one night, we're sitting around the, the dinner table, and he says, son, I think you should be an engineer. And I said, okay, dad, well, what is that? I didn't know. He said, well son, he's the guy that comes in on Fridays and kind of tells us what to do with a white shirt and the white hat and kind of you know tells us <laughs> what to do. And I said, okay, well he's the boss man then. He right. said, okay son, I guess that's what he is. So that's that's what I knew about engineering. That's
0: how you, be, that, that's, that totally changed your whole destiny. That was
1: it, That's what uh, so I started at USM for yeah. two years. They mm-hmm. had pre-engineering curriculum, then transferred to Mississippi State, right, where I finished my engineering, civil engineering degree in 1983. And then, uh, I don't know if you remember the late 70s, early 80s, but oh, the economy ter- was terrible. Economy was yeah, Double-digit inflation, double-digit unemployment. So I had a lot of interviews, great grades, one job offer. Waterways Experiment Station, Vicksburg, Mississippi. And how could I refuse? I needed a job. Okay, so so
0: when you took that job offer,
1: did you think that one day you'd be
0: looking around going, I'm gonna run this place someday?
1: Absolutely not. I didn't (laughs) think I'd be there four months, long enough to find another job. I wanted to build bridges with my dad in South Mississippi, and that just wasn't gonna happen. So I stayed there, and. They had me signed up for my first graduate class before I even got there. Really? So I immediately started in a master's program, and I, I was so burned out from college, I never want to take another class, much less get a degree. But I started working there, and, and it took me a few months, because I'm kind of slow, to figure out this is the best thing that's ever happened to me from a job and career standpoint, really yeah. a life, in a way. And its I, I'm one of the luckiest men alive, just because of getting chosen to do that job, mm-hmm. and now I'm in charge of the whole place. Never would have imagined it in a million years.
0: Well, you skipped a couple steps along the way. Yes. But you did get your doctorate. You went to University of Texas in Austin. For that's that. right, that's so right.
1: So I finished my master's yeah. degree at Mississippi State while working at Hurdick. Yeah. and then they send you off to any school that you can get admitted to, and okay. I got admitted to University of Texas at Austin for my PhD, got it in civil engineering, and uh, came back, uh, finished my degree, and got married in the same year, 1993. That was a good year. It was a big year, that was yeah. a great year, <laughs> yes. And then I left for a short period of time, so I actually left in 94 to go teach at Auburn University in Did Civil Engineering. Did you think you would
0: ever come back?
1: No, I didn't, I, so when yeah. I left, you know, I, I left very good terms, I loved it, yeah. it was just one of those things, Yeah. and I actually following a colleague of mine, and, uh, but they hired me back to be the chief of the Pavements Division, which is the division I started in, and came back in 97. Uh, and uh, the rest is history.
0: I know, I was looking at some of your academic papers. I didn't read them, I, I know, I'm sorry. Yes, I know sir. you've read some of my stuff, but, uh, right. but, but I mean, you could tell, obviously concrete and, and so forth. I was thinking, I'm gonna put this guy to work fixing all the potholes. Around oh yes, here. yes, <laughs> we,
1: could, we could do some of those potholes.
0: But, but you, you, know, you had this academic background, you yes, went sir. to teach and everything else, but then you came back in management and you slowly just started climbing the ranks.
1: That's it, yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. So I've, that was my first supervisory job I ever had was visit chief. And so it was a lot of on-the-job training there, and just learning a lot about leadership, and it wasn't just about research, it's always about people as far as I'm concerned. And so how do we achieve these great things that we do? And so it was a lot of OGT, I got a lot of mentors I got to give a lot of credit to, and a lot of folks that worked with me and helped train me and where I was.
0: That's one thing, I I remember hearing you say that one of the best classrooms for you was walking into like a break room and listening to people.
1: That's exactly right, yes. So we, we'd show up every morning and uh, so I was working in the pavements division and everybody I worked with was like my father's age or uncle's age. I mean, they, they had thousands of years of experience and yeah. here I was straight out of college. And so we'd go in the break room, get a cup of coffee and go in there and we'd talk about engineers, right? And scientists, we'd talk about pavements and how to build them and how to design them and why this would tear up and why this would break and we'd have theori- theoretical discussions on chalkboards yeah. in the break room. <laughs> Best graduate class I ever had was in the I break could, room. I could imagine, That's yes. Incredible. incredible. Yeah. So owe a lot, a lot to a lot of people.
0: A lot, a lot of people, and that's one thing I like. When you, when you took this job, you literally you would go talk to people and you say, "Okay, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself, and then for the rest of my time here, I'm going to find out about you."
1: That's right. Yeah. yeah, that's what I like. I love hearing people's stories. We got over two thousand people that work in herded in seven yeah. labs in four states, and I figure if I got you, know, if I get one a day, that's two thousand days. You know, yeah. that'll be a good job.
0: <laughs> well, I love this because you've you've got labs in Illinois, Mississippi, New Hampshire, and Virginia. How do folks in New Hampshire react to you? <laughs> you ain't from around here, are you? <laughs> right, exactly, <laughs> yeah. I know. So
1: New Hampshire's kind of a rural state, like yeah. Mississippi, so we actually have a lot more in common, I think, right. than we have, you know, differences, you yeah. know, besides the accent, if they can ever understand what I'm saying. Yeah, but uh, you speak engineer. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, that's all that really matters. I tell them just to record my voice and play it back at twice the speed, and it might actually make sense what I'm saying sometimes. But, no, <laughs> we have a good time. Yeah, It's very good people, and uh, no matter what state it is, all focused on this great mission that we have.:
0: Corps of Engineers is about as American as it comes, because I mean, you think 1775, yes. you know they were right there with George Washington, the yes. first. Uh, so it's, it's been part of our nation's history from the get-go.
1: We literally helped build the country. Yeah. 1775, when George Washington constituted his army, he hired an engineer two days on the job. He said, "I got to have an engineer." Wow. So Colonel Gridley, yeah. the first engineer, we trace our roots back to him. And so we literally helped win the Revolutionary War and every war since then. But we were the only engineers in the country at the time. We didn't have a bunch of civil, civil engineering didn't really start as a profession until later. Yeah. So the first engineers were military engineers. So when they needed fortifications, that's what we built. When right. they needed roads, we built them. The first highways were the rivers. So we helped clean those out. So we literally helped build this country. And we've had a mission ever since.
0: Well obviously the Corps had a big impact on Mississippi, particularly after the 1927 flood.
1: Right. And that was the genesis of what is now the Waterways Experiment Station, yeah. and is now the Erdick in Vicksburg, yeah. was the Flood of 27, one of the greatest natural disasters in the history of the United States.
0: Yeah, which caused a huge migration, and on top of that, the flood control projects all throughout the Delta, which is still continues, because there's still talk about the That's pumps. Right. Um, but one, one thing I love is the Waterworks model, Yes. that's over in Clinton, yes. Mississippi, Right. that was built by German war prisoners. I mean, yes. you can't make that up.
1: No, no, no. So we started in 1929, after the Great Flood of 27 yeah. because they wanted it in Vicksburg, because, hey, we're on big hills, it never flooded there. They called it Gibraltar of the South. You know, it, right. it doesn't flood on the, the soil in Vicksburg. So we were studying floods and waterways and hydraulics. I actually wrote the book on hydraulics, literally. And then World War II hits, and that yeah. changes the world. And so we get into military missions, and we're actually looking at Landing zones like Normandy, I'm the, about the beach it. landing yep. mm-hmm. and in Guam in the, the Pacific theater, but we built one of the largest hydraulic models in the world right there in Clinton, Mississippi, with German prisoners of war, because it was it was they're very smart in what they did. Yeah, you know, We got a lo- big labor pool, and so but we were still doing all, and we still do to this day a lot of physical hydraulic modeling. Right. So we have physical models, scaled down models mm-hmm. of every major port, major river in the U.S because when you build something like that, it's millions and millions, sometimes billions of dollars, and you have to understand the impact of right. what it's gonna have before you build it. Otherwise, you could spend a lot of money and it have very negative effects.
0: You look at, look at things like the 1970s when the environment became a big part, then your that's mission right. changed again. You, yep. your, your mission is almost as fluid as the river.
1: Exactly, that's, yeah. that's a good way of saying it. Yeah. That's exactly it. So as the country goes, you know, we have to solve some of the world's and the nation's toughest challenges. So in the 70s, the environment became very important. You know, right. the, uh, the Clean Water Act. And so EPA was formed. And so we actually formed an environmental lab at that time. And to this day, we're still studying plants, animals. The impacts of every project that we do has some impact on the environment. And so we do research to try to mitigate that impact on the environment.
0: Okay, this is where the tough part comes in. And uh, like I said, I love the mission statement that you have. It's make the world safer and better. Yes, sir. Which I think is, is brilliant. Yes. But once you get past that mission statement, Tell us some of the things that you do, because right. that, that can pretty much fill up the next seven days, like we joked about earlier. Exactly,
1: exactly. Yeah. So what we say is we discover, develop, and deliver new ways to make the world safer and better, okay. just to get the whole thing. Yeah. So we do the discovery piece, which yeah. is really the science and technology. You know, we, we have physicists, chemists, biologists, so any area of science you can think of, we come up with these ways, whether we came up with it or not, by the way. Right. Then we develop solutions, these things that actually have to solve a problem, because we're engineers at heart. Right. And then deliver is actually using their own projects. So let me give you an example. So okay. we actually came up with something called a modular protective system. Mm-hmm. That's a fancy way of saying that we work with US gypsum, the company that builds sheetrock that you put on walls all right. over the world. Mm-hmm. And they modified their production line to put this very, very hard concrete in the middle. That's what we developed. Okay. And that concrete, so they make these small panels are like sheetrock panels that you can assemble in theater and make walls out of it with no heavy equipment and they can stop a rocket that could pierce a tank like a knife through hot butter, really? it'll stop it dead. Huh. And that we actually deployed that in theater in Iraq and Afghanistan, saved soldiers' lives all over the theater. Well, I mean, That's one example.
0: Exactly, and I think another good example, and I heard you talking about this, was on 9-11. Yes. When the plane hit the Pentagon, it hit the one section of the Pentagon that had been upgraded That's right. with technology that y'all had come up with.
1: That's right, yes, exactly. So in 1983, when the bad guys bombed the, the marine barracks in Bay yeah, Lebanon, we mm-hmm. actually got in the business of looking at anti-terrorism technology, basically making buildings stronger against bomb blasts and car blasts. Right. So when the airplane hit the Pentagon, we actually, by the way, the Corps of Engineers built the Pentagon. Yeah, we'll that's right. To, yes, that's in just right. a few they months. Did. Very quickly. <laughs> so 50 yeah. years later, it hadn't been renovated, so they did this big Pentagon renovation project, the Penrent Project, they called yeah. it, and in the process, they were actually putting our technologies in the exterior walls of the Pentagon Thinking that we would prevent a truck bomb from blowing up and right. killing people inside. Well, nobody imagined an airplane would hit. Right. right. So when the airplane hit, actually what happened was the, the fuel in the wings of the par- of the aircraft. The terrorists were very smart. Yeah. So they got cross country aircraft, wings full of fuel. So when the airplane hit, the fuselage actually penetrated three of the five rings of the Pentagon. And then when the wings hit, they blew up like a truck bomb. Oh, yeah. And so one half, it actually it we hadn't, we hadn't actually hardened, we hadn't even renovated one of the wedges.
0: Yeah.
1: And so where it hit, one of the wings blew up, nobody died, our technology was on that side. On the other side, a wing blew up, a lot of people died on that side, and of yeah. course where the fuselage itself is. So we know that we saved hundreds of lives that day just by having our technology in the walls of the Pentagon. Wow. And that really inspires our people because we know that what we do literally saves lives.
0: Well, I mean, look at just recent news when the Iranians shot missiles into Iraq. That's right. And we had several, um, several of our troops had brain injuries and everything, and I know y'all are studying that because right. you're going to try to figure out, okay, what are ways that we you've done it to help with IEDs yes. and so forth. So that's kind of your mission. That's one of your missions. Yes, exactly, yes. Yeah.
1: So blast weapons effects in general, really yeah. since World War II. Yeah. And all, f- all the way from nuclear weapons effects, by the way. Oh, wow. We actually started with nuclear weapons effects. Mm-hmm. So when we started building nuclear silos, nuclear bombs in a bunch of silos in the northern part of the U.S., you had to actually build silos, these big concrete things underground yeah. that you could put the nuclear weapons in, because, and you knew that their, their bombs were shooting towards our bombs, so you had to put them in silos that could withstand a nuclear blast. Oh, so oh, that's yeah. how we got into business. And to this day, we're studying things like the Pentagon, like you said, IEDs, mm-hmm. which is those, the bombs in Afghanistan and Iraq that killed so many troops. More people died from IEDs than just about any other way. Yeah. And so we came up with ways of detecting IEDs in theater. That was another technology we deployed in Afghanistan. We came up with one of the best ways to detect IEDs in theater, saving who knows how many lives, you know, when you find the IED before it blows somebody up. Well, speaking so
0: of Afghanistan, you actually spent some time there. Yes, outside. I did, yes. Yeah.
1: It, was a, it was one of the best experiences of my life. So as a lab director.
0: Yeah, tell us what you were doing over right.
1: there. Right, so I actually ran. I've, I volunteered to go over there. A lot of people in the Corps did, by the way. Yeah. Thousands of people in the Corps went over there. I wasn't the only one. But my job was to run basically the big construction programs over there for U.S. Forces Afghanistan. So yeah. I was working for U.S. 4A, they called it, in Kabul, Afghanistan, and we were building billions of dollars worth of dams, uh, power lines, building mm-hmm. power, they call it power distribution systems, they were power lines, and basically putting power across the country because the president, Karzai, that was yeah. one of his main, main goals was to industrialize the country, and so this project was to, to put the power lines in we actually improved some of the dams because very poor country. Yeah. So they needed dams for agriculture and for water supply. We were building some roads. We built a, uh, we actually refurbished a tunnel there, one of the highest tunnels in the world. It's called the Salong Tunnel. Mm-hmm. It's in the Hindu Kush mountains. <laughs> the Russians actually built it in the 60s. But by the time I got there in 2012, it was deteriorated badly. Yeah. So we spent about $20 million re- rehabbing that tunnel. So it was a, it was seven months, six, seven months of just one of the, best experiences of my life.
0: But that helps when you come back here, too. You understand the program That's better. exactly
1: right, yeah. yes. So you get to see your technology in place when you're over there, and it's just such a rewarding feeling. Plus just being amongst our soldiers. Right. You know, they protect us every day all over the world. Uh, Is it, it was a high honor and high privilege that you know, I had to be there.
0: I don't think people know that there's such a powerful supercomputer over there that y'all have. Yes. It's so one of the have, most powerful in the world, isn't it's it? It's one of
1: the most powerful in the world, exactly. Yeah. So we actually run the Department of Defense's high-performance computer. A computer modernization program. Yeah. Basically, it's through DOD supercomputers for research and development. We run that program out of Vicksburg and then it has five supercomputing centers. Burdick has one of them, so we actually run one of the supercomputing centers in Vicksburg. There's actually another one at Stennis, by the way. Yeah, that's for the Navy. Mm-hmm. Then we have one at Air Force has one in uh, Ohio and, and, uh, and, and Hawaii. And then the Army has another one over in Maryland. So we run the whole program, and then we actually run one of the centers in Vicksburg. Okay. So, but with that supercomputing center, by the way, mm-hmm. now you can do engineering and science using physics on computer models. So, we're literally building and designing the next generation helicopters, for instance. Right. We've saved $50 million just on one helicopter wing. Now, that sounds like a lot of money for one wing. Yeah. But it takes a lot of money to actually develop a new prototype and then test it physically, produce it, go test it. So we saved a lot of money by, by replicating that using physics inside of our supercomputers. Saved a lot of time, a lot of money. That's going to be the future of how all weapons and platforms are developed in the future, I believe.
0: So you're taking everything that you're learning in the field, That's right. you can take it back and you can plug it into the computer.
1: And That's right. It really kind of all started back with the water. Yeah. So 1929, when we formed the Waterways Experiment Station, we had to learn hydraulic engineering. Right. And then later on, something called computational fluid dynamics—that's the physics part of it. Mm-hmm. And now, when you can replicate that inside of a computer, air itself is a fluid. Right. So that's how we can do the modeling on okay. the ships, jets, airplane wings, that sort of thing.
0: I mean, and of course, y'all are building, so you're doing everything, trying to figure out new ways of being, making better runways, being able to build. That's right. It's a, it's that was my
1: division when, I've, when I left right. Auburn, right? I, was, I spent my first 10 years working in something called the Pavements Division. Yeah, And so we are, we are the airfield pavements experts really for the military, for Army and Air Force. Yeah. And our designs, we started doing this in World War II, and later the FAA, Federal Aviation Administration, we worked with them closely, and so every airfield in the United States where there's military or c- civil traces its roots back to the work that we did back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s For concrete and asphalt pavements, and that's what I did. So we have a whole division over there now, branch focused just on airfields and pavements, how to build them and how to tear them up. (laughs) If you got to bomb them, right? If well, that's right. Right. If you if you bomb an enemy's airfield, then how do you repair it very quickly? We call it bomb damage repair. Right. So some of the world's biggest experts on pavements right there in Vicksburg.
0: That's incredible. That's incredible. So. But you know, ta- we talked a lot about the military mission, but you also have a huge, huge civilian mission as well. That's right, right. Yeah. it's
1: called Civil Works. Yeah. yeah, so since the beginning of, really the beginning of the country, as I said, yeah. we had that military mission, and then we helped build the country, so now we call it a Civil Works mission. So we have, so we have this military mission, like I said, war fighting, right. and then we d- still do military construction for the Army and the Air Force, so okay. all military bases. Mm-hmm. If you do a MILCON project, they call it, it's the Corps of Engineers responsible for doing that. Right. But the Civil Works mission, is actually, that's the waterways. So that's the navigation of our river, so all navigable waterways, that's the Mississippi River, Ohio River, our intercoastal waterways along uh-huh. the coast, or every port, if you can navigate, if you can put a ship commerce in it, yeah. we're in charge of keeping it open. Okay. So that also in- involves dams, uh, locks dams, and then Upper Miss and along the Ohio River, so we got a lot of locks and dams that we operate and uh-huh. manage. We also do the environmental research associated with that. So anytime you build a levee or a big dam, it has environmental impacts, fish, plants, uh, wildlife, anything around it. You have to make sure that you're friends with the environment that you don't have an adverse impact. And then finally, something that's very timely to us sitting right here right now in right. Mississippi is flood risk mitigation. That's right. Helping to prevent the bad impacts of flooding. And so whether it is building a levee or a, an emergency like a sand boil mitigation tool that we developed. Uh, so With, anything- it, Which
0: you got to test out in 2011.
1: That's exactly right, yes. That's right. So sand boils are little things that for water tries to seep up under a levee. Yeah. And it actually, when it, when it forms that line, it'll actually create a boil of sand on the other side. Mm-hmm. And you can, it's very easy to see it. And so if you, if you let it go, it'll actually can undermine the levee and blow the whole thing out. So you have to stop it. Usually you sandbag around it until the water on this side is equal to the water on that side, roughly. Well, we came up with a very rapid technique of, of building that basically column of water so you can balance it back out. So, but finding, a, finding the sand boils and mitigating them, that's just one little bit. So when you look at a national scale, now we're looking at floods nationally. You know, we've seen some record floods in the Midwest, in the Ohio River Valley, Mississippi, Missouri River Valley. You know, How do you even model that? How do you right. know what's going to happen? That's where we work with uh, NOAA and the weather folks that really know the rain well. Yeah. And then you got to say, how's it going to flow when it gets on the ground? And so we have, we work with agencies all across the federal government and coming up with strategies for, you know, where's the water going to be? When's it going to be there? Can we handle it when it gets there? And, you know, do we do something as simple as just evacuate? Right. And I tell you, you know, hours or days in advance, just get out because we don't have enough protection technologies in place. And ultimately, we'd like to have it where you wouldn't even have to leave. Right. That's sort of the ultimate, but saving lives is always number one priority. It's public safety, and then saving property follows right behind that. But it's always about saving lives.
0: Where do you predict the future? What do you predict for the Corps, uh, for their future?
1: Well, uh, our chief engineer is General Seminite. He's the 54th chief of engineers, by the way, Mm -hmm. all the way back to Colonel Ridley. So he has really uh, expanded our program. We were about $30 billion when he started. Most of that in military programs, by the way, about Mm -hmm. five or six billion out of 30 billion in civil works. Now that's almost, it's quadrupled on the civil works side. Now we're at 60 billion, mostly on flood risk mitigation, uh, helping, helping Houston, Puerto Rico, you know Texas, Florida, yeah. after the big hurricanes we had a couple years mm-hmm. ago, Maria and others. Uh, we actually helped rebuild the entire electrical grid in Puerto Rico, for instance. Oh, wow. So as long as the nation has these big needs, we're gonna have a big mission out there trying to help, as it's almost like the national engineer in a way, you know helping out the nation in these big disasters, whether it's on the civil work side or helping our, or the world's greatest land fighting force, the United States Army do its mission as well.
0: I know you were downrange after Katrina for instance down in New Orleans. That's right. Yeah, yes. That was a big mission. It was
1: a huge uh, huge disaster obviously in New yeah. Orleans and so one of our missions after New Orleans was to find out why the levees failed. Right. Right. And so we we actually did a lot of research in Vicksburg to actually determine what happened. Because there were a couple of a couple of flood walls in particular the London Street canal mm-hmm. and, and and others that they were they were sheet piles driven down uh, inside the levees to let the water raise up inside the canal so New Orleans could pump the water into the canals and, and go back into Lake Pontchartrain. That's how it's supposed to work. Well, when the water backed up out of Lake Pontchartrain and went back into the city and started flowing over the, the flood walls, the flood walls actually gave way. And when they collapsed, that's when it basically flooded New Orleans, which is like yeah. a bowl, a punch bowl. And so we had to discover why, why did those flood walls fail? They were, not, they were not supposed to go back and fail. And so we have the world's largest centrifuge in Vicksburg. Oh, wow. A centrifuge, you, you know, it spins, mm-hmm. right? And so we can put a one cubic meter of soil in a model, and so we actually rebuilt the little flood wall, and it was about this big, inside of this centrifuge. And when you spin it, it can go up to 300 Gs, or 300 times the force of gravity. So for every G that you spin it, you can reduce it that much in scale. So if you build it at 150th the size, if you spin it at 50 Gs, it's gonna act like it's full size. And that's exactly what we did. We got the soil from Louisiana, we got exactly the drawings, we put the layers in, we spun it up, we put a camera on it, we watched the water rise up, and we saw exactly how that water caused that flood wall to back up, and the water seeped up under the flood wall and came out the backside, and caused the whole thing to collapse. It was a smoking gun video.
0: Oh, that's incredible. And
1: we found out exactly how it failed. Because in, in place, yeah. in real life, it destroys evidence. Once it right. fails, it just, how did that happen? So, I mean, those are the kind of things that we do in Vicksburg, Mississippi. It's incredible.
0: That is incredible. One last thing before we wrap up. Your dad said for you to become an engineer. Yes, sir. What advice did you give your daughters?
1: Well, uh, okay. So I advised them to be engineers as well. I said, well, <laughs> you have to be a soft shoe a little bit. But yeah. I sort of pushed engineering. Yeah. Now they're going into medical school. They're going <laughs> to so become doctors, okay. <laughs> yeah, right. One actually became an engineer by the way, a chemical engineer yeah. at Ole Miss, and now she's in med school. And the other one's a biochemistry major, STEM, and uh, she's going to start medical school as well, so not bad choices I would say.
0: No, I think, that, I think y'all have done okay. Yes, You've sir. Done okay. Well, I really appreciate you taking it because you're an incredibly busy guy. I, have you enjoyed the job?
1: Yes, sir. I love it. I, I pinch yeah. myself every day. It's it's the best job in the world as far as I'm concerned.
0: It is fun to look you up on YouTube because it's like you're bouncing around to the different places yes, and sir. talking to everybody. And I know that's a big part of the job and you really enjoy it.
1: Yes, sir. I do. I do. Well, can can, Come can see I, us in Vicksburg. I don't do way.
0: that. I, I'd really love to do that. I think We'd be love a to show you fun. what we
1: do in, in, in real life.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you once again, Dave. It's just been a pleasure to get to sit down and talk to
1: you. Thank you, Marshall. I appreciate it. All right.